Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast. I'm Millette Jones, and every weekday I chat with today's most successful coaches, and we learn their secrets to building a thriving coaching business. Are you ready to be unstoppable? Let's go. Welcome to the Unstoppable Coach Podcast, where inspiration and action come together. Today we're chatting with business consultant and personal coach Anna Lundberg. Anna helps people reach their fullest potential and maximize their personal and professional impact by setting clear objectives, balancing their ambitions at work and their personal priorities, and managing their time and energy effectively. Having built a career in beauty and luxury marketing, she now writes, consults, and trains businesses to help integrate digital into their strategies and toolkits, from large corporations down to startups and solopreneurs. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, before we jump into more about your business, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you like to do when you're not working? Oh, sure. When is that, though? <laughs> um, um, well, uh, yeah, so my name's Anna. I grew up in the UK, but um, my parents are Swedish, both of them. Um, I went to English schools until um, the age of 16 when I changed to an American school, though still in England, um, and studied the International Baccalaureate. I then um, took a gap year, actually, to travel around and do some work, um, and I went on to study at the University of Oxford. I studied philosophy, politics, and economics, a course called PPE. Um, after that, I moved to Geneva in Switzerland to do my master's. I did a few internships at the UN and different NGOs, still in that kind of international relations area. Um, and then I ended up, as I say, um, in a marketing role at uh, the multinational corporation Procter & Gamble. So that was kind of a, I, I like to call it a conveyor belt of sort of <laughs> um, not really thinking about where I was going and just kind of heading um, heading on the expected path, I suppose. Um, and then in four, four years ago, in 2013, I asked for a sabbatical and I traveled across um, South America by myself for three months, um, which was oh, sort fun. of the first time in a long time, I think, that I'd been a bit adventurous. I guess you get a bit sort of comfortable in your old age. <laughs> and I hadn't taken a lot of... Um, risks I suppose in that sense um and while I was there of course I traveled I read I met people and in fact I decided to quit my job so halfway through I called up and I quit um and sort of packed up my things from Geneva and moved back to London for a while and I initially I did a lot of um sort of adventures I think really um so more more travels of course and I've enjoyed um paddleboarding supping as it's called um a bit of sort of wilderness stuff which again was was quite um different to what I'd usually be doing in that luxury and beauty world that you mentioned right. um, and then in parallel I've been gradually building up my coaching and consulting work in the meantime um, and I didn't mean to be flippant at the beginning but it turns out that I do actually work probably more now since <laughs> I've quit but you know the difference is that I love it and it doesn't feel of course there are things that do feel like work but um, you know I'm, I'm very self-motivated and driven so I do spend probably more time than I should working but um, I'm trying to address that and I <laughs> I do like to have fun as well sometimes so still traveling and um, you know any the usual stuff cinema and theater and things like that. Mm. We all love to be inspired by people's journey. So the first part of our conversation is going to focus on your journey. How long have you been in coaching and what led you to kind of make that shift from the corporate world to, you know, working more in consulting and coaching? 
Mm, so I realized, I guess, that I had been coaching in that corporate world. So at Procter & Gamble, we actually had explicit training on the GROW model, which is one of the famous um, coaching models that you can follow. Um, and really, my natural style of sort of leadership and management has always been that more Socratic style, I suppose, sort of asking questions and guiding, mentoring, um, that kind of role. I've always enjoyed it. So in a way, it's sort of been part of what I had been doing already in the in the corporate world. Um, then sort of a year after I quit, so I initially quit um, and I started consulting. So basically doing the same work I had done at Procter & Gamble, but independently. Um, and I got some big contracts, but I found that it ended up being the same as a full-time job, um, but without the health insurance and the benefits that you get. <laughs> so, you know, it was still sort of the the overtime and, um, yeah, long days and sort of working in the office, the so-called nine to five, which isn't nine to five, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I began to think, you know, I'd like to sort of take the next step of independence, I suppose. Um, and I think it was actually while I was road tripping in the US with my aunt, funnily enough, for some reason, I'd been thinking about this coaching idea. And really, I... I found a coach coaching program, a formal training that was supposed to take or could take up to two years that I did online um, with teleclasses. So it was all done by phone and so on. And it felt like a very international, um, interesting course to do. And actually, when I signed up, it was more for my own personal development because I'd been, as I said, reading a lot and exploring my own career paths and things. And I just thought it was an interesting exercise to do, actually. And of course, I considered adding coaching to my repertoire. But I think probably I was surprised by how much I loved it once I got into it. Um, Mm. A a part of the course, a core part of it was actually a lot of practical coaching. You had to do a certain number of hours of peer coaching and getting coached. (laughs) So I really saw the power of what it could do for me. And I sort of caught the bug, I suppose, of of working with other people too. So um, I finished that course in six months, (laughs) graduated and actually launched sort of the coaching as part of my business right away so it all happened quite quickly but that was that was a year and a half ago so it is still quite new for me in terms of having it as a business a core part of my business sure you know you've been talking about doing a lot of uh, travel and and having a lot of adventures and you know for for most people that sort of thing is like a real a real high i mean that's just mm. that's fun stuff but we all know that starting a business can have a whole lot of ups and downs so can you tell us about maybe a low point in your business sometime where you experience some disappointment Mm. Yeah, it's definitely ups and downs. It is a roller coaster always because you get excited about something and then you're disappointed whether it's, you know, a webinar that less people turn up to than you had hoped or um, a book that you've published that, you know, hardly anyone downloads or anything like that. So everything you put out there, you're sort of being quite vulnerable. Um, blogging, in fact, was one of the first things I started doing. And again, initially, I did it just for my own sort of almost journaling. Um, but gradually, you know, you begin to connect with people around the world and you begin to think, actually, this could be something more important and and yeah sometimes there you've you've put your heart and soul into something and it's just not taking off as you'd hopes um I think generally I am really positive and I sort of believe that it will work out so I just have to keep trying things so I think I haven't been too sort of I can't really think of a time when I've really been so disappointed that I thought oh oh my goodness this isn't going to work out and I need to go back to what I was doing before or anything like that. One area that does come to mind is writing proposals, which Mm -hmm. is not so much something I do in the coaching, but it's more in the consulting and also freelance writing than I do. And, you know, you put a lot of effort into a great proposal. You have lots of calls, you discuss the details, and then they say no at the end. (laughs) And that's just quite sort of soul destroying. Um, But, you know, I've realized sort of retrospectively that all those no's 
if I thought about it, if I was honest about it, were clients or projects where I wasn't super excited and it wasn't a perfect fit. So mm. really, I'm, I'm trying to get better at sort of identifying that up front so I don't spend the time um, doing something which actually isn't good for me, me or the client. So it's better to sort of getting the experience to be able to recognize those projects that probably aren't the best place to spend your time. Yeah, you know, I've I've heard this quote before, you know, you have to get through a lot of no's and a few maybes before you get to that yes. So mm. it's disappointing for sure. But I guess that's just part of, of having your own business is the ups and downs. Well, that's also true. And again, if you really, if you decide this is what I'm going to focus on this, I am going to make this a success. And as you say, it's either being persistent within that particular thing that you're going for, or it's shifting, it's pivoting, as they say in the business world to a, you know, a different focus, just until you find something that really gets that traction. So um, yeah, absolutely agree. You have to, you have to take those no's and not take them personally, I think. You know, when you're building up a business, it's, it's sort of like you, you feel like you're making, making a little progress, you know, you're, you're doing more action, you're doing more, more things. But then finally, you get to a point where you feel like you're gaining momentum. Can you tell us about a time where you felt like you finally reached a tipping point in your business? Yeah, I think definitely when you start, you know, you're exploring and trying things. And as I said, you don't really know what's going to work. And it does take time. And I think I was really impatient at the beginning. <laughs> and I mm. thought that, you know, you can just, I don't know, put up an ad and then you get clients or, you know, you, you just write that blog post and it's fine. Um, so there was, you know, one thing, for example, I wrote an article uh, January last year, actually, 2016. And um, it sort of suddenly took off and it got picked up by a few different um, publications like Business Insider and Inc. And then I suddenly got this huge spike in traffic. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And and for months after that, I had people coming to me saying how much that had resonated with them and so on. Um, and the same with I ran a webinar for the first time in November. Um, and, uh, you know, I got a new client from that again, months later, just, just, you know, last month. So things do just take more time than you think. And I think I'm also the kind of person who's constantly reevaluating everything that I do. So one mm -hmm. thing I found is good is to look back at old notebooks from where mm. I was before. <laughs> um, you know, I found a notebook from last year and I was sort of brainstorming how to or learning really about how to do email sequences and lead magnets and all these technical things that I'd never done before. And now actually I have that all up in place you know, in place and up and running. And I don't, right. um, I don't question it. it's sort of a, a natural part of my business. So you also need to be kind to yourself, I think, and, and patient because, <laughs> you know, I think you're constantly raising the bar or certainly I am. And um, it's easy then to go back to the disappointment. It's easy to get disappointed. But, um, mm. but if you look back at where you were, you realize actually you have had that momentum building and it will continue to build. Yeah, I love that. Have patience with yourself and, and have a way to look back so that you can see the progress that you've actually made. Now, one of the things that you were talking about was, you know, going back and looking at some old notebooks where you could actually see what you had been working on a year ago. And you were able to visually, you know, see what you had, you know, maybe struggled with then. But then, you know, now you've... You, you got through it, you know, and then it was a success. Um, you know, a lot of people have that where they'll give themselves certain goals or, or put out milestones. And when they hit those milestones, they'll feel like that's, you know, success. What would you say has been maybe a favorite achievement of yours so far? Mm, well, 
I mean, I love sort of lifelong learning and, and um, implementing new skills and things is always part of what I enjoy in the business. And last year, for example, I remember I was really nervous about video. My natural medium is writing and, you know, hiding behind your computer and your words is one thing, but actually <laughs> talking to people, um, you know, on video was, was something I wasn't very comfortable with. So I actually gave myself the challenge to do a week of daily Facebook live videos. So not just video, but live. Um, mm. I'd found when I tried to record videos, I just... I guess if you're, I don't know if it's being perfectionist, but you know, I just thought, oh no, my hair doesn't look right. And I said, I'm there. And that does, you know, my shoulders are slumping or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> or, and once I got it too perfect, then it wasn't very natural and authentic anymore. So the live thing actually was great because it completely took the pressure off. You know, I couldn't go back and edit it. Um, mm. And anyway, I do think people today now much more prefer that natural kind of conversational approach. So, right. and you know, we say now that showing vulnerability is actually a good thing. So, so for me, that was quite a, quite a big win personally. And then, you know, as I said, I went on to organize my first webinar and, and learned everything that came along with that as well. So, um, you know, trying, trying new things and, and getting to the point where you become comfortable with it is really fun. Yeah. I love that. Um, just taking that Taking that leap and trying something that maybe you're a little bit scared of and you just never know what might happen. Mm. So what are you most excited about creating next in your business? It sounds like you've tried a lot of new things so far and mastered them. Uh, mastery, well, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, there's definitely lots more to master. I mean, for me, my my passion, I've always said, is in writing. And I have, you know, I found that creative outlet in the blog writing. I'm trying now to um, reach out to different publications and, and, you know, be a bit more sort of externally focused, I suppose, in the, in the things I'm writing. Um, I co-authored a book with a former colleague of mine from Procter Gamble last summer. And, and that was, you know, an amazing experience and just sort of gave me the, um, a little taster of what it could be like, I guess. So I'm working on, um, well, quite a simple book now just to sort of get the momentum and then hopefully um, becoming more of a writer in the sense of really publishing books. Of course, with self-publishing now, it's it's a lot easier to do it um, yourself. And it's just, you know, I love the writing, but I also love the editing process and and um, everything that comes with it. And I think it's a great way to, certainly when I was going through my career transition, for example, I my go-to resource was books. Um, so I'm really hoping to be able to get down some of my own experiences and, and advice, I guess, for other people as well who are like me, who are <laughs> hungrily searching on Amazon, you know, for the solution to all their <laughs> problems. So that's, mm. that's the big focus for me at the moment, getting getting better and more disciplined at writing and then also um, setting myself deadlines. So I actually finish it as well. Oh, that's a that's a great suggestion for people, you know being online, there's so many different things that can draw our attention and just reminding yourself that it's always great to just go with what you love. And if you love writing, that's what you should focus on. And if you love speaking, then maybe podcasting is what you should focus on, you know, just really playing to your strengths, not necessarily not trying other things, but just continuing to keep in mind that, you know, whatever really is passionate for you, whatever you have a lot of energy around, that that's where you're going to really be your best. So that's that's a great suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very easy to get distracted by the latest trend or, you know, seeing people being successful doing podcasts, for example. <laughs> I tend to think, oh, should I have a podcast? But, you know, actually now I've been focusing on the writing and the video. So trying to stick with that for a bit. So definitely focus on on where you feel comfortable and where you think you're going to be able to deliver great content for years to come, because at the end of the day, that's what you have to do. So, yeah, um, absolutely focus on, on what feels comfortable and what you enjoy doing. 
Yeah, that's a great idea. I want to move the conversation a little bit now and talk more about business. One thing that I like to stress to coaches is that there's a lot of ways online and offline to make a living. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're generating revenue in your business today? Yeah, now I have to admit um, that I've been a bit casual, I think, about generating revenue. You know, I only started just over a year ago with the coaching and, and there was a lot of experimentation. And definitely with coaching as well, you know, you tend to start by giving free sessions away. Um, as I said, I did a lot of activities like guest posting and writing and things that's free, mm-hmm. really. So you're not getting any income, but you sort of count on it. And, and as I said, I have seen the results then coming um, a long time afterwards. So I think there's sort of a place for that and certainly if you're building let's say a coaching business alongside your main job then you have that luxury that you can sort of be a bit more I don't want to say casual but you know a bit slower I suppose in terms of building the income and um, it's actually my own coach that I have this year who's challenged me to be more focused on being really clear on what's what's an exposure activity and what's an income generating activity and then I've really been looking at those in black and white now to make sure that I'm doing what I need to do to hit my targets so um, for me the coaching income is at the moment coming from one-on-one sessions so individual sessions by Skype um, also some paid speaking engagements And as I said, I'm working on, you know, those books and hoping to get some income from that and also potentially some group workshops um, that I'm playing around with. Um, But then I also have still a large part of my more um, marketing and business focused expertise that I'm using. So similar kinds of things there, though. So I'm ghostwriting articles and and running training workshops, both virtual and face to face. Um, So it's sort of, you know, a kind of portfolio career, I guess, of coaching, speaking, training, writing all the things I enjoy doing. And it's also great to have that diversity. So um, making sure that there's money coming in from the different um, different streams. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Just the concept of just doing one thing, you know, like some people, it really resonates with them to do one-on-one coaching. And that's what they love. And that's, they want to fill their weekly schedule with 20 clients every week. And that's great. And for other people, like me, who may have a shorter attention span or just like a whole lot of different things. It's so much fun just to, I don't know, I don't want to say dabble because that makes it sound like it's not serious, but to just have different things that you're interested in. And like you said, you know, at first you're laying that foundation. So you really do need to get in and try, see what resonates with you, see what you're good at, see what's going to bring in A little bit of income. And I really like what you said about exposure activities versus income activities. And I think that's great because we can get, we can get a little bit sidetracked by trying to be everywhere and do everything. And then just having that, that knowledge that, wait a minute, we also have to build a business. So I love that where you think about, is this activity something that's going to bring me just exposure or this is something that's going to bring some income? Mm, and they're both important, but it's just at the end of the day, you do have bills to pay. So I think it's <laughs> it's quite good to be sort of um, focused on on understanding what your targets are and what you need to do. And if you see that, you know, my Excel sheet, I can tell, okay, this month I need to, or rather next month, probably I need, you know, X number of new clients or whatever it is. And then I know that I need to do certain things this month to make sure that that's going to be coming in in the coming months. So it just um, makes sure that you don't sort of wake up at the end of the year, I guess, with suddenly, hang on, <laughs> what happened? I've been busy doing all this stuff, but actually no money in the bank. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that everybody needs to keep an eye on because it's it's so easy to get uh, just involved in all the little activities and then you turn around and there's there's no paycheck coming. So that's that's great mm. advice. 
The Unstoppable Coach family is made up of new and experienced coaches. But one thing that everybody has in common is they're just looking for good ways to build their business up. What would you say is your favorite strategy right now for bringing in new clients? Yeah, such an important question. And I think, unfortunately, I, I certainly haven't found the magic formula. Um, as I said, you know, for me, it's not about just putting up a Facebook ad and then getting 10 new clients. And, and I'm, I, I do do these um, uh, email sequences and things, but I don't have a huge list. So a lot of the um, advice online is about sort of this list building and everything. And that's really not my primary strategy, I suppose. Um, and as I said, I know that I can't just put up an ad and then boom, the clients come in. Um, so my most effective um, marketing tactics, I guess, have been softer and more slow burning things. So I've mentioned a few things, but my articles that I've written, as I say, people email, you know, months later saying this came up my Facebook feed and it is exactly how I'm feeling. You know, can we talk? How, how can you help me? Or um, again, free things, actually. So I spoke at a school a few weeks ago and then one of the teachers um, came back to me and said, actually, <laughs> I'm interested in this um, the webinars as well. So it's, you know, it's a lot of those, as we were just talking, the exposure generating activities, free activities, giving value and then triggering either direct um, purchase from the people who are in the audience or triggering word of mouth. So there's a bit of an element of faith that doing all this free stuff will pay off. But but certainly I found, as I said, it is slow and it's a softer approach, but it's um, it's it's working. Well, those are great ideas because I think a lot of people will look at something like that and say, I don't want to give away my time. But in a way, you're almost building relationships. You know, you're putting yourself out there as the expert. You're you're giving away lots of good content. And if someone resonates with that, they're going to reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think people talk about, you know, knowing, trusting and liking you. And I think that's it. I think once you've, if you think about your own behavior too, you know, if you um, just see an ad on Facebook, it's very unlikely that you're going to go, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I need. I'm going to give you $5,000 right now. <laughs> um, whereas if it's someone, you know, that you've followed, you've read their resources, you've listened to a podcast, maybe you've heard heard them talk and it really resonates with you, then you might perhaps buy an ebook or you might, um, you know, by a sort of one hour coaching session or something and then gradually you'll you'll see the value and you'll you know um buy something more expensive or or do a bigger partnership with them and i think that's that's important to realize that the strong sell isn't necessarily the most effective even though it might feel like feel hard to um as you said give away that free value and and not charge mm -hmm. you know we've been talking a lot you've had a, a lot of experience in in the corporate world you've built up you know a great consulting business, you've moved into coaching, and you've had about a year or so of working through a lot of the beginning stages of building up a coaching business. Now, if you had to do it all over again, what would you say to someone who is just starting out? What do you think should be the first thing that someone should do? Or maybe what do you wish you had done first when you were just starting as a coach? Um, I, th I think definitely in terms of, well, it's almost not an action. It's it's not taking action in a way. It's thinking of, well, going back to the basics and understanding why you want to do it. Mm -hmm. So what is it about coaching that appeals to you? What are you hoping to create? Do you have sort of a bigger mission and a vision for what the business will look like? Um, are you looking for it just to be sort of a lifestyle business, as they call, so just something that you almost dabble in, as you said, or something that's a bit passive and you do it on the side while you travel? Um, or perhaps you, you know, you're a stay-at-home mum and you want to have 
um, something more intellectually stimulating to work on and to bring in some income as well? Um, or, you know, are you looking to really build a team of 10 people who are going to, you know, have a real startup coaching business where you have other coaches working with you and and have much bigger, I guess, income goals and, and work with companies and, and I suppose have bigger ambitions in terms of what you're looking to accomplish. And I think asking yourselves those questions at the beginning is really important. They can change. So for example, for me, I think initially it was definitely more of a lifestyle choice mm-hmm. um, to be able to work uh, remotely and so on. But of course, gradually when you get into it, you may realize, hang on, there's really a need for this and how could I make a bigger impact um, there so you know looking at how to scale the business and so on so I think reviewing that probably at least annually is important but ultimately I think understanding why why you're doing this business it'll also keep you you know focused and motivated when you get through those disappointing times as we talked about getting through those tough times is a lot easier if you really understand deep down why you want to do this and and you know what is it that's motivating you Mm. So the first thing that people need to do is really get clear about what they want out of their business and then not be afraid to make a shift if after they get into it a little bit, they realize that it's just not the right positioning or, you know, maybe their their goals have changed a little bit. Mm. And it's the balance. I mean, we've talked a lot about sort of, I guess, the, the two areas of on the one hand, dabbling and experimenting and exploring and changing. And on the other hand, focus and persistence and choosing one or two things to focus on so it is it is always a balancing act and I think that will continue always but you do need both of those things you need the the exploration and and um and the changes sometimes um and then sometimes you just need to knuckle down and you need to do the work and stick with what you've got so it's I think there's no right answer I suppose you just need to feel somehow with your intuition and um, what's the right thing right now and not to feel ashamed I guess if you realize actually this is not something for me or this isn't what I thought it was, this isn't bringing what I hoped it would bring, then just, just being okay with that. And again, it's not a it's not a failure. It's really just a part of your aspiration and, you know, trying to shift to something that's going to be a better fit for you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I know that that a lot of people seem to struggle with not not so much not knowing what they want to do, but just not knowing, you know, not having a, a a roadmap. And in entrepreneurship, you really don't mm. have that roadmap. You do, you, you have to dig in a little, you have to try a few things, but also not getting bogged down when things don't work, but being able to, to shift your focus or to make a pivot, something like that, and then, and go down a different route, but to do it with enough, enough speed, I guess, that, that it doesn't take you, you know, it doesn't take you a year to make a, to make a small shift. Like you said, there's a balance there that we have to, to be able to, to grab onto as entrepreneurs. Mm, that's that's a good point. Fail fast, they say. I think so. Don't uh, you know? Don't spend five years building up this huge company and then think, hang on, this is wrong. So <laughs> test things out, or you know, run a little free workshop, invite someone for for a call, or whatever it is. But try to try to yeah, sense. I suppose if it's the right direction for you before you invest too much time and money. Yeah. Yeah, Anna, this has been so good. Um, I've really learned a lot from you. I think that just having the perspective of someone who is fairly new to coaching, but you know, you have that ability to, to say, this is, this has worked for me so far. And this is kind of where I see myself going. I think that's just a great, a great perspective to, to be able to tap into. So I really appreciate you joining me today. And we're going to finish up with our final five rapid fire questions. What is one habit or skill that's helped you become unstoppable? 
Um, so I think, as I said, I'm I'm incredibly self-motivated and, and excited about what I'm doing now. And that really helps me to focus. You know, I work, I do work hard and I'm persistent on, on what I'm doing. And I know that this is what I want to do and I'm going to make it work. Um, and those are strengths that I think come more naturally to some people than others. But you can also work on developing them. Um, so I think that's really important. And as I said, again, you need to understand why you're in the business and you can call it your purpose or your mission or whatever you want to to call it but you know understanding what is going to drive you and then importantly anchoring that into your day-to-day routine to make sure it's not just this sort of theoretical vision or dream that you have on paper but really rooted in your daily activities so those two pieces of the big vision and and then sort of the routine and the um, discipline I guess to actually execute it. What's one quality you feel every successful coach needs to develop? I think curiosity. I remember it was part of the um, training program I did that that was one of the skills they brought out. And again, it comes naturally to some of us. You know, for me, learning and developing is is such a core value for me. Um, But, you know, being curious about yourself as much as about your clients and being curious about, you know, different theoretical concepts, exercises, techniques. So you're constantly learning for yourself and also developing new, new ways to support your clients as well, I think. Recommend one book that's had a big impact either on your business or on your life. Mm. Um, so I'm going to cheat and say two books if I can. <laughs> I, ha- sure. I mean, I have long lists of books probably, but certainly one of the one of my favorites when I was initially exploring what to do was um, by Chris Gilbo. Um, he's had a book, he's written several books and I've devoured them all. But the first one that I read was The Art of Nonconformity. Um, and for me, it really helped me to look at the world and at career paths in a different way. Um, he he's had a very different um, uh, professional journey, I suppose. He uh, started out by traveling to every world, every country in the world, <laughs> and creating a blog. And also for him, that's kind of organically um, evolved into a business. Oh. Um, and the other one that's much more practical and concrete is a book called "And What Do You Do." Um, 10 Steps to Creating a Portfolio Career. Mm. And I always recommend this. It's really the one that got me sitting down with a pen and paper and mapping out concrete ideas as to what I could do and how I could create the lifestyle that I wanted. And it's, you know, this idea of a portfolio career, I think, is really appealing. And certainly for coaches, most of us aren't earning our money, as you said, just from those one-on-one coaching Mm -hmm. sessions. It's really likely to be a portfolio of speaking, training, whatever that, that might look like for you. So I think that's a really good book to um to sort of start thinking about the skills you have and and how that might work out for you give us one online resource that you think coaches would love and that you couldn't do business without that's an interesting one i think um you know what i would say is try not to get distracted by using too many different resources i think it's really tempting to watch webinars and listen to podcasts read articles and so on and and listen to what all these other experts are saying (laughs) um and you know there is definitely a time for exploration and for listening and learning and and seeing what might be the route for you. But then there's a time for knuckling down, as we said, and just doing it. So I think then choosing one or two gurus or, you know, one strategy, one resource. um, So you drown out the rest of the noise and you you focus on on what you've decided to do. Um, I think within coaching, one thing, one site that I would um, refer to is the ICF site. So it's the Coach Federation, International Coach Federation. It's one Mm -hmm. of the bigger international bodies um, and it has a lot of, well, a lot of resources within coaching specifically. So certainly if you haven't done a formal training program, which a lot of people haven't, you can look for training programs, you can get accredited, but you can also dip into the research there. They have lots of data. If you're working with um, companies, you know, they have 
data on statistics on sort of how effective coaching can be that you can use and so on. So it's quite a good um, good resource to use specifically within the coaching um, coaching uh, profession rather than any kind of marketing resource or anything like that. So that's um, coachfederation.org is their website. Finally, how can the listeners best connect with you? What social platforms are you on the most and what's your website? Yeah, so I'm, I guess I'm mostly on um, Facebook uh, in most places. So my coaching um, company is called One Step Outside and it's based on the um, quote that comes in various forms, but it's along the lines of everything you've ever wanted is one step outside your comfort zone. Um, so the website is onestepoutside.com. The page and the group on Facebook are One Step Outside. Um, and I also have um, a little gift, I guess, for, for the listeners in terms of some of the things that I've been talking about, about clarifying your why and understanding how the business will fit in with your personal goals. Oh, um, great. And that's on the website. So if they go to onestepoutside.com forward slash nine questions, and that's nine, the number, so forward slash nine questions, um, there's a worksheet there with um, nine questions <laughs> that you can <laughs> ask yourself to help you really get clear in your mind, you know, what that big why is behind your business. And as I said, how to really build that business around your desired lifestyle and your your most important personal values. Great. Well, I'll be sure to get all of those links on the show notes page, along with all of the great resources that you mentioned. Anna, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I hope it was useful. And um, I look forward to hearing what the other experts have, have to say as well. So thanks for that. Thanks for joining us on the Unstoppable Coach podcast. Be sure to head over to the website at unstoppablecoach.co where you can grab the show notes and check out all the resources and the links to the guest website and social sites. And be sure you join us every weekday when I interview another successful coach and we learn their secrets to building an unstoppable coaching business.